Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am Shirley, your host of Far Rock Live on Blog Talk Radio, coming to you live from Durham, North Carolina, this inauguration weekend. My God, who would have imagined our generation would see this historic event? Both my parents are deceased now, and I am so grateful to be alive to experience the nomination of this country's first African-American president who will soon occupy the White House in literally a matter of days. You know, what brought tears to my eyes recently was seeing the news broadcasts of um, Barack Obama's African grandmother leaving the motherland on an airplane that was bound for Washington, D.C., so that she can witness the inauguration of her grandson. So, yes, we as a people, not just African-American people, we all have reason to celebrate, and this is certainly a time for celebration indeed. So in all that you do to celebrate this extended weekend, because most of us do have Monday off as we recognize uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, we celebrate it as a federal holiday Monday, even though his birthday was yesterday on the 15th, just keep it safe. You know, just stay safe and stay respectful and um, mindful of each other. Today on my show, my guest is Brother Marcus Gerard. He is also um, a host here on Blog Talk Radio, and I will give him an opportunity to talk about his show uh, later on in this segment. Um, as a youth, Brother Marcus grew up in a high-risk, hardcore inner-city environment in Brooklyn, New York. I can relate to that because I lived in Brooklyn, New York for a long period of time. I was born and raised in New York. And so um, during the turbulent times of his growing up, Brother Marcus lost a lot of his friends to drugs, gangs, guns, and violence, as a lot of us have. We can relate to that, you know, as well. Growing up in those kind of neighborhoods, you experience that unfortunately, more times than we'd like to. And as a youngster, uh, Brother Marcus was determined that one day he would find a way to help people overcome the negative circumstances and difficult factors that are a natural part of everyone's life. And unfortunately, some people experience those negative circumstances more so than others, just by the sheer virtues of the neighborhoods and the communities that they live in. And uh, Brother Marcus attended college at the esteemed and prestigious Morehouse. So he's a Morehouse man. And in 1994, he developed a company called the Youth and Adult Intervention Services. And this company 
um, has been in existence for a little over 15 years now, and uh, he's incorporated a youth and adult leadership development and uh, self-motivational esteem training program. And so he has personally worked with many diverse groups of youth that has ranged from what we consider extreme at risk to the most elite students in America. And his his presentations at these different seminars and events that he hosts provide valuable insight into the current mindsets of today's youth and adults. And Brother Marcus, are you on the line? I am here, my sister. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in. I was giving the listening audience a brief biographical um, information about your background. Well, thank you so much for doing that for me. I appreciate you, and I'm so happy to be on the call with you and your listeners, and I hope and pray there's something that I will share that will make sense Uh, with your listening audience. Oh, I'm sure it will, and we are definitely excited and looking forward to hearing anything that you want to share with us, Um, because if you guys haven't heard this brother speak, you are definitely, definitely in for a treat. This, I was so impressed when I heard you speaking, like I, I had said the other day on one of the other shows that you were a guest on, on Blog Talk, and your whole perspective your whole outlook is just amazing and phenomenal to me, and the way and and we're going to talk about your book in a little bit. I'm just blown away by the book as well. I'm just so excited, you know, that we have the opportunity to share that and make that uh, resource because it's a resource. That's a textbook, right? Thank you. Sister. Available, you know, to the people, and I'm, I think I'm joined by Minister Scott. Are you on the line? 919 area code? Hello? 919 area code? Greetings, sister. Is this Minister Scott? It is. How are you doing, sister? I am doing wonderful. How are you? You're on the line with um, Brother Marcus. Gerard is on the line as well. Peace, Brother Marcus. Peace, my brother. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. And Minister Scott is a community activist here in the Durham, North Carolina area, and he works with extreme at-risk youth also in the projects here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do, Minister Scott? Uh, well, basically, I just keep it simple. Uh, you know, on in the, actually, I, there's a group called the Ten Black Men uh, who are also doing similar things. Uh, they're doing things in an uh, area called Mandugo Terrace. Uh, but me, uh, I just go out into the community, uh, pass out free CDs, pass out free DVDs, uh, gloves, food, or what have you uh, to to the young people because that's the way to uh, get a good conversation started or at least have yourself available for a conversation uh, by giving a, a peace offering. You know, if, you, if you're in a blood territory or a crypt territory, uh, you know, bring a peace offering. You know, you would be surprised how receptive uh, young people are when you give them something as simple as an orange. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so basically that, that that's what I do. Okay, well, thank you for that. Now, Brother Marcus, let's talk about this book of yours. 
the wise men and women have sent me to tell you that you are the chosen one because this book is full of wisdom. And, you know, the kids today need to hear what you have to say. So can you tell us a little bit about how this concept came about? First, Hello? I want to say to you that, um, again, I'm very grateful to be here and uh, very grateful to be on your show in particular. And thank you for showing the love that you're showing to me tonight. Mm-hmm. Um the concept for the wise men and women have sent me to tell you comes about because as a person who's working with our young people, and I've been blessed to do this work for the last 15 years of my life, mm-hmm. a lot of our young people are not really aware of the tremendous sacrifice that everyone is making on their behalf. So many young people are very ungrateful. In fact, this is the most ungrateful generation we have ever produced. Mm. They walk around with a sense of entitlement. They walk around as if you owe them something when really the whole world is at their feet. And all they got to do is take advantage of the opportunities and take advantage of the wisdom that's all around them. And so hence the book came out of me. Because I wanted to show young people that wise people are already around you. Your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers, if you as a young brother, a young sister, are wise enough to get the lesson of your mother, the lesson of your father, then you will understand that wise people teach you in one of two ways. They either teach you how to do something or how not to do something. And I just wanted to open these blinded eyes of our young men and show them that in your life there are people who are trying to teach you something, trying to get you to a certain point in your life, and when they get you there, when they feel they have sufficiently got you to the point where you're supposed to be, then now your job is to take over and say to them, thank you very, very much for everything you did for me. I will take it from here, and I will show you gratitude by the kind of life that I go out into this world and live myself. Absolutely. Do you think they grasp that, though? I do, uh, because our young people put up a lot of fronts. They try to front like they, you know, not listening to you. Some of them will sit around, especially our young brothers, and you'll see them take their hand and they'll start twirling their hair. You know, uh, uh, you see a lot of that going on. You see a lot of them playing around and even acting the fool, but a lot of young people are nervous. They're nervous because they know a day is coming where a real man, a real woman is coming into their life, and that real man or that real woman is going to tell them, you're going to stop this foolishness, and you're going to get about your business as a young brother. See, there's a hunger for men. There's a hunger for a strong black man, and when a strong black man is present, all foolishness stops. I've Mm. seen it happen time and time again. And so when that brother shows up and he stops the foolishness, not because he's going to force people, but his presence suggests that the time for foolishness has ended, and now, like the old proverb says, the student cannot learn until the teacher is present. 
when they recognize that you got something of value to give them, them young people will be quiet and they will listen to you. I've had audiences full of young people where the, the people who brought me in said, you ain't going to be able to do nothing with them. Uh-huh. And I said, well, you know, I just trust God to guide my mouth. And once I finished with those young people, they tell me after it was over, they said, we've never had a person come here and talk and captivate these young people like you you did, Brother Marcus. And I'm not laying that on myself to brag. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. It is the wisdom that we have in our mouth to give to young people that young people need to hear. And they need to hear us as adults talk to them, not with this attitude like we fell straight out of heaven. Right. And absolutely, you're absolutely right, because you said a number of key things in that, in, what you, in that statement you just made. First of all, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And these kids have to be ready to receive it. And there used to be a phrase also that game recognizes game. All right. That's when you're out there BSing around. You can recognize somebody else who, who's BSing around. But when somebody who is no-nonsense like you or, 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 or Minister Scott come on the scene, these kids know this ain't game right here. I can't play around with this. You know, right. This man ain't BS, and he's about you know business and taking care of business. And one of the things that you had mentioned in your book, you said that young men need someone who's not intimidated by their facade and All their, right. their antics. That's right. I made that, that point, sister, and that is a critical point. A faggot cannot do nothing with this generation. A man that is not sure of who he is, a man that doesn't know or 1,000% sure that he is a man, he cannot go in among these young lions because when you go out in the jungle, you don't find a pussycat rearing a lion. It takes a lion to bring out of a young lion the lion that's in them. And these young people, they are lions. There's a lion asleep in Judah, brother pastor, who will wake him. And so I thank God that he's blessed me to meet men who drew the man out of me. And now I'm trying to draw the man out of every young brother that I meet out here in this wilderness. Mm. Minister Scott, do you find that to be true in the work that you do in the community with the youth? I mean, he's 100% on point. Uh, once you actually, you know, go outside, you know, stop believing uh, what you see on bootleg DVDs about what's going on for young people, what you see on the news, and actually engage young people, uh, you realize, like you said, you, you, they really don't, uh, they're really misunderstood. Uh, no one has actually, uh, well, I say very few have actually taken time out to really talk to them as people. Uh, not as uh, you know, some some curiosity, you know, off of a of, out of boys in the hood of minister society. So when you go out there and actually engage them in a conversation, uh, you'd be surprised what you come up with uh, when you actually impart knowledge. Because one thing I've noticed about these young people, no one has really introduced the whole idea of the origins of their pathology. Uh, no one has really uh, talked about how white supremacy has played a role in the condition of these, these young brothers and how uh, global white supremacy really has dictated some of the ways they act right now. If you look at the educational system, uh, the entertainment system, all the above, so when you start connecting those dots, uh, they're not really, you know, they don't know. First they don't know how to accept it, and then they listen because they never really heard it before. Absolutely. 
And so then those images or um, uh, um, distracting mechanisms is what they follow. Because you talk about that a lot also in the book, um, Brother Marcus. Uh, one of the things that you said you were talking about, Goons, G-O-O-N-S, which is the lyrics from some of these songs that the kids listen to. Yes, Hello? ma'am. Okay, and then I thought this was really interesting, one of the things that the wise men told you, that you don't have to um, condemn a dirty glass, just hold it up to a clean one. So yes. in, in other words, you know, kids are so um, bombarded with all this negativity, you know, be it the music, you know, the TV programs that they watch, and that's what they strive to emulate. So they don't see enough positive stuff you know, to gravitate toward that. So all they know and feed on is that negativity. And one of the things you also thought, uh, said in the book that I thought was really, really phenomenal, you said that many people come from families that only master negative things, right. i.e. drinking, doing drugs, and a family that smokes together, chokes together. That's right. You know, a lot of, of the problem is too many of adults are hypocrites. You know, they condemn the youth, but the youth actually came out of them. Many adults act as if they look at their own children and they wonder, where in the, where in the world did you come from? Mm-hmm. Well, they came out of your heart and they came out of your mind, and the quality of your heart and the quality of your mind affected the quality of your sperm. Mm-hmm. And so what we see in our children is a reflection of ourselves, and oftentimes we don't want to look at ourselves in the mirror. That's why we love going places that uh, that take our mind away from reality. Mm-hmm. We like to have our ears tickled with what we what we should be or what we could be versus what we are. You can't start with children uh, teaching them a fantasy. You have to start children in reality, and that's why parents have to be very mindful about putting even cartoons in front of their children. And, and and making the children think that bunnies talking, birds talking, and, and little chipmunks talking, whatnot. It's cute, but it's fantasy. And you're trying to prepare a child that lives in a very real world for real world things that have to be dealt with. And I really, you know, tried to talk to this young brother and even the young sister who might pick up this book and talk to them about reality because so many of us as adults, we sugarcoat what life is going to be like for this young man, what life is going to be like for this young girl, and they grow up and they meet a cold, hard reality, and they're not prepared to deal with life on life's terms. Absolutely. Because life don't give a doggone about how bad you had it or, or how you growed up. Life don't care nothing about that. In the world that's coming in over these next five to ten years, in fact, it's already here. Nobody wants to hear your excuse. <laughs> Nobody gives a dog on how bad you had it. For everything you say out of your mouth about how bad life has been for you, there's somebody who got a story ten times worse, and they're making it, and Absolutely. they're doing good, and they're, they're surviving against the odds. So what excuse do you really have, young brother? Absolutely, because like you said, everybody's got a story. we all been through something, and that's like, so what? Get over it and get on with life. But then again, the kids today are coming out of these households where they're not getting those life skills to prepare them to deal with the reality that they're going to have to face when they're out there trying to find a job, 
when they're out there trying to fill out applications and they can't even, you know, string a sentence together, you know, to say why they want to participate or, or be involved in some type of activity or go to school oh. or anything like that. Come on. I'm sorry? I said, come on. I'm uh-huh. just a witness that you're telling it right. Right. And so if the parents, though, don't have it to give them, you know, because that's where school begins. They are emulating and watching what they see in the household. And sometimes the parents don't realize that they're the first role models. They're actually teaching these kids what type of adults to become. And then, like you said, when they grow up, they become little reflections of that adult because they've learned from the environment that they grew up in. And so then you have that little monster that's now 20-something years old that can't cope with life, have no life skills whatsoever. And so what, what does he do? He, he goes out there, he becomes a menace to society. That's right. And the music has already told him to have absolutely, positively no respect for a female. The music has told her, told him that, that she's just a money maker. Shake your money maker. I heard one of the songs uh, on the radio. A young brother was teaching all the other young brothers about being a real goon, being a full-blooded goon. This is in the absence of real men to teach our boys. Then these rappers step in with their ignorant utterances, and they put it on wax, and the young brother got it in his CD player or on his MP3 player. 24 hours a day, and they're shaping the values of these young men. They're shaping the mentality of these young men because parents never wanted some of these children from the day they conceived them. Mm-hmm. And so because we're not doing what we need to do, then rap music steps in, and it's filling a huge void that's out there. Oh, yeah. And then the gang culture is rising all over America and, and it's arising among blacks, but it's really rising um, among our me- Mexican brothers and sisters. So we got a real pickle that, you know, Obama didn't inherited. You know, we can't put it all on Obama and say, well, now he's about to become president and it's going to be okay. No, the issues in our community that we are either going to deal with or they're going to deal with us. Absolutely. And, when, and, and Minister Paul, you can probably chime in on this also. Because when the kids can't get it in the household, because you have, it's a lot of good kids out there. And I think, you know, they're all inherently good. They all want love, and they all want somebody that's going to listen to them and care about them. And it seems that that's why you're so effective, um, Brother Marcus, because of your passion. And, and the kids see that. They pick up on that, and they know that you really care about them. And I'm sure the same is true with you, too. Uh, Minister Scott, so how do these kids, okay, I'm in this environment, you know, I have, I'm in this gang-infested area, I live in these projects, you know, I know there's something better for me. How do they go about building that extended family? Well, like uh, Brother Marcus said, men have to be men. I was on actually this morning on WVON in Chicago uh, for an hour this morning. Uh, we were discussing the article I wrote about the Notorious movie because uh, I have an article on my blog, thewarningshotspot.com, called Notoriously Overrated, who was so big about Biggie Smalls. <laughs> yeah, and you would be surprised how many adults, because actually myself and uh, the host, uh, <laughs> the host was actually on vacation. He called in from Puerto Rico. And he was like, you know, how dare you? I mean, he didn't say how dare you, but he was real vehemently opposed uh, to my position about, you know, what made Biggie Small so great. 
you know, because a lot of times they have this idea that uh, those who have made it, that in order to be, I, I, I would say, still down to hood or connected to hood, as they would say, they have to embrace certain negative behavior. And they, became, they become victims of peer pressure. We always talk to our young people about peer pressure, but one of the main uh, things, stumbling blocks in our way of advancing as a people is that uh, we are more, we succumb more to peer pressure than our children. Uh, if somebody says, like, okay, uh, you know, this is a movie, like, like you all were saying, you know, about how this brother sold drugs and made it out of the ghetto, so... I mean, but because everybody, the whole world and the commercials are coming on every five minutes, we feel compelled to have to say, okay, in order to be down, I'm going to have to co-sign this foolishness. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing goes for hip-hop. You know, in order to be down with the youth, we feel that we have to co-sign. And one of the points I, I made this morning was that we have to be adults. Uh, we have to go back and nowhere in history have the children uh, set the agenda for the adults. Mm -hmm. Especially looking at our African history, you didn't have children setting the uh, uh, agenda for the elders. The mm -hmm. elders set the agenda for the youth, but we get we have it twisted. We we let our children run us instead of us guiding them properly. Right, and I think you and I had had a discussion along those lines some time ago where um, one of the things that I observed about some of the organizations, especially here in town, is that they feel that they have to relate to the youth on their level. In other words, talk to jive, talk with them, shoot the breeze with them, and all that crap, instead of raising that child's... Cognitive bar, if they would say. Uh, I'm sorry? I said raising the cognitive bar. Absolutely, would... absolutely. Yeah. And how do you feel about that, Brother Marcus? I think that a lot of the times that we don't really understand um, the, how how deep this music is, how how important it is in the life of these young people. Mm -hmm. I meet young people who, in the morning, they got the MP3 play on their ear. Mm -hmm. On the bus, they got it in their ear. Go on a class, to and from class, they got it in the air. They go home with it. They shower with it. They they play music 24 hours a day. You know, Michael Jackson had that song, Music and Me. Well, this is that generation, Music and Me. And a lot of adults are all part of the same generation that these young people are coming up in. Mm -hmm. See, this the thing that unites this generation like no other is the music. Mm -hmm. The music, it used to be a time in everyone who came before this generation, it was the music that separated generations. Mm -hmm. So when you got to a certain point, the, your parents didn't like your music as a young person. Well, this is the first generation where the adults listen to all of the music that their children listen to. Mm -hmm. The adults get down to it just like the children do, and so that's what the problem is. And so with the music comes the culture, and so the culture of the hip-hop mu music is you see guys who are 40 years old, 50 years old, and they got their pant leg rolled up. You know, you hear somebody coming down the street with the booming system, it ain't a young person, it's an old dude like me, you know, trying to, you know, uh, uh, get the swag of a Jay-Z, and a, a lot of the rappers being older, some of the rappers are in their 40s. And so it's this whole culture that's being promoted 
of have fun. We ain't got to be serious about nothing. We don't even have to take um, any real thought for what my life is going to be like in the next five years. It's just have fun, have fun, have fun. That's the whole idea. You know, we could sell drugs. We could be at the trap house. I agree with you 1,000%, brother. What's so big about Biggie Small? I mean, the brother was definitely a talented rapper, but look at the life. Look at the life that this brother, he ended his life prematurely. He's gone from among us because of the ignorance that he promoted in his music. I mean, yeah, he was saying some stuff with some slick lyrics to it, but that at the end of the day, did that give life to any of these young people? Absolutely. And do, do you think, that, though, that when the kids are listening to the music, that they really realize the impact that those words are having on them? Because they're being programmed subliminally with these messages. And, some, and from, what, from what I'm seeing and in, in, in some of the youth that I've talked to, and this may, this may not be across the board, they, it's like, well, I'm just listening to the beat. You know, right. they don't. I don't think they realize the implication of the words that's being programmed into their subconscious to create the behavior, the attitudes, and the things that they do and say. They don't. The psychological impact from all listening to all that negativity and vulgarity. Well, we can see the impact in the society. Mm-hmm. We turn on the, the, the television and we see young brothers going to jail. I just had a friend who only by God's grace did not die. Young brother that I know, they just outside of a teen club, a teen club, not an adult club, a teen club. And some fool out there wants to crack an AK-47 because he didn't seen it done on many movies and many videos. Uh, so he takes his gun out and he starts shooting up the car where my little young friend is at. And he kills one of the young men in the car. He shoots my friend three times, young brother, 2 o'clock in the morning, calling his father, telling his father he's been shot, and he don't think he's going to make it. You understand? See, this is the legacy of the ignorance that's being promoted in the music. It's not just the music. It's the culture that we have allowed to dominate the airwaves, to dominate the music, to dominate our young people's hearts and minds. It is a culture of death. Our young people are not living a lifestyle. They're living a death style. The music is promoting antisocial attitudes and behavior. Yeah, everybody always tells me, well, Brother Marcus, it ain't all the music. It's just some of the music. 95% of what gets played on the airwaves is negative, antisocial, anti of brotherhood, anti-sisterhood, even the R&B songs. If I ain't doing well with my woman, what gives you the right as another dude to come in my house and get with my woman? Right. Promoted in the music. You know, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. And all your stuff is to the left, to the left, in the box to the left. That's right. (laughs) So no no respect there for for the male-female relationship either. And then not only with the music, but the kids have these video games to contend with also. That's right. And some of these games are just so horrific. You know, it's mind-boggling to think of some of the crimes and stuff that's being committed against each other. You know, the, um, uh, the gruesomeness of it 
And where where are they getting that from? You know, they're so desensitized from these video games. I remember when this one Mortal Kombat came out. I think that started to trend because it was a big thing with that uh, game, uh, Annihilate Them. Mm-hmm. You know, do whatever it, it takes to just chop this person up every which way you can, but just annihilate them. And then it just escalated from that. Finish him. So what kind of impact do you think that's having on the kids today? Uh, 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 brother, do you want to take that? I just say that, you know, every, you know, all that's having an impact. And, you you know, do the children realize it? Of course not, because very few people teach them about propaganda, about mind control, you know, uh, things of that nature. Uh, but I think we, we should point out that everything that's affecting our youth, as much as the media tries to put it out there that it's coming from you, if it is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these are coming. These images are coming from adults, uh, grown men uh, making decisions for our youth. It's, they they give the appearance that it's our children who are making these decisions about what to wear, uh, what music is played on the radio. These are grown men, uh, mostly grown white men. Um, we don't name the names when it comes to who controls the music mm-hmm. industry. Uh, we like to talk in genera- generality. Right. Uh, and I but, know that's you know, a these, big thing with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these people yeah. have names. Jimmy yeah. Iovine, uh, Interscope Records, uh, Summer Redstone, uh, Viacom, who owns all VH1, MTV. Uh, you know, these people have names, and all the music uh, coming out of the South was originated by uh, Steve Gottlieb, uh, who got his start by... Uh, you know the the commercials that uh, he put out albums with TV things, but he he found out he can make more money uh, doing doing the um, southern rap thing. So these are grown white men uh, making making these decisions for our youth. So and, and they hide behind the fact that and they'll be able to, they're able to camouflage their actions because we don't name them. And once we start naming those who are actually behind it, it puts it in the proper perspective. Yeah, you want to talk about 50 Cent, but 50 Cent works for Jimmy Iovine. 50 Cent can't make a move unless Jimmy Iovine signs off off on it. There's a video called Welcome to Death Row by Michael O., who was the drug dealer who actually started Death Row, which was the home of Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, uh, Tupac, and the rest of them. He has a video called Welcome to Death Row, and at the end of the, I think it's about 90-minute video, he says that the only after all the death and destruction with Suge Knight, Tupac, and the rest of the rappers on the West Coast, the only people who really made money from the record label, uh, only two people that really made money are Jimmy Iovine and I forget and this white lawyer. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, everybody else was just a pawn in the game. Right, and so to some extent, the kids kind of are the victims because, like Brother uh, Minister Paul was saying, that we have to look at the big picture here. Um, you know, who's perpetuating all this rhetoric and this propaganda? It's coming down from the top, from the top down. And so at some point, we have to hold these people accountable. And a lot of things that I hear when people make that point is it's a marketability issue. It's all about economics. You know, this is what sells. This is what people are buying. You know, so how do we affect change at that level? Well, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to get the appetite for this kind of stuff under control. And that's where 
I think the major problem is because if the appetite had not been so wedded for violence, drugs, and sex, and all of the the negative, then there would be no sales of it. Nobody would be buying it. But because there's such a high appetite for filth and indecency and and um, the the things that's being promoted out here, that's what makes a, a Jimmy this one or that one. That that's what makes them able to say to the artist that if you do that positive stuff, that it's not going to sell. There is a lot of work that must be done in the pulpit. There is a lot of work that must be done in mosques. There's a lot of work that must be done all over America to to curb the appetite for this kind of stuff among the people. Mm. I mean, that's where the problem is. They can put out all the 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 negative rap music and whatnot because they know it's going to sell because somebody's going to buy it. Absolutely. There is a huge attempt being made by many artists to do the hip hop uh, gospel and whatnot, and that's fine. But that's not going to supersede all of what uh, 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 Scarface is saying. That's not going to uh, supersede what this little rapper, little Wayne, is saying. I mean, you and I have to be able to gain some influence with these young brothers. With our own, well, really, I don't start with them. I start with my own family, with my children, and I try my best to keep as much of that foolishness out of that air as possible. Mm-hmm. And then with all the young men that I work with, the young women that I work with, we have good discussion and dialogue about it. And not that I'm trying to get them to not listen to it, but to at least think about what's he really saying. Because at the end of the day, if you go out there and act on what this person said, this rapper said, or that rapper said, then they're not coming down to your city to, to put up a defense uh, bail for you. They're not going to say that it was my music that inspired it. No, they're going to say, well, he had his own mind. She had her own mind. Mm -hmm. And there are countless crimes that have been committed all over America because of somebody who said something in a rap song that, you know, uh, uh, nobody held them accountable. Nobody held the people who produced this album accountable. I don't know how we're going to make them stop. making these kind of songs, but all I can do is try to in, uh, insulate my children from the influence of this uh, this n- more negative rap. I love the positive rap. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the beats as well, but I, I sure enough don't want them negative messages. And like the rapper said on uh, BET one day, he said, if you don't want your children to hear it, turn it off. I agree with that. That's one aspect. But at the other side of the mouth, I say this that if I don't want my children to hear it, you shouldn't be making it. Absolutely. And then, like you said, you know, we have to hit them in the pockets. Don't buy it. We don't have to buy it. You know, we don't have to participate that way. So just because they put it out there, we don't have to buy it. Well, they sell it and through they have... the videos. Uh-huh. They sell it through the videos. That's what makes you want to go buy it. And because they're losing so much money, because of the uh, the internet downloading, yeah, downloading and whatnot. Right. I was shocked when I learned a year or two ago that seventy percent of all the rap music is purchased by white people. <laughs> so you can imagine the effect that 
this negative music is having in the white community with their families, uh, and, you know, it's just a sign of the times. The scripture says, Brother Pastor, as thou hast done, so shall it be done unto you. And, you know, you're seeing the undoing of America because the influence of rap music and hip-hop culture is worldwide. It's not some local thing. It's a worldwide movement. Absolutely. Um, and, and getting back to your book, because I want to, I want to, you know, keep going back and forth to your book, because, like I said, this book is very, very comprehensive. It's not just something to read and put down. It's not a story that you're telling. This is a tool. This is a valuable resource that um, I suggest anybody who's working with kids these days in any capacity at all needs to have this book on their desk. Oh, you are so kind, sister. Thank and you. I, I am serious about that. Thank you. Because I'm going to get a couple of copies and pass them out to people. But because um, you talk about uh, that kids need to learn how to do every, you know, things for themselves and start doing things for themselves. You know, um, and I thought this was a little bit funny, but it's true. You gave an illustration. I guess it was number eight on, on page 26. I need to pull that up. But uh, you talk about learn how to learning how to access various automated telephone systems, you know, to get information. And, yes. you know, and some people would be, you know, they, they would think, well, you know, the kid is like 18, 19 years old. You'd think they'd know how to, you know, pick up a phone and call customer service. But something as simple as that that we might take for uh, granted, but these kids really don't, you know, have the capacity to, to kind of comprehend and figure out how to maneuver through that, you know, that system. Well, it's like the scripture said. It says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And I don't say it so much is the lack of knowledge. It is the refusal to avail yourself to the knowledge. Because knowledge is out here, but you're going to have to learn how to access knowledge to get knowledge to do for you what it's doing for other folks. Again, when you got this attitude of entitlement that so many of our young black males got from their mamas, their mamas do everything for them. They do not allow that boy to learn how to do nothing for himself, and when that young man you know, who's right at 16 and 17 and 18 years old to learn how to do for himself, to learn how to take care of himself. He's ripe at that moment, but now he gets 19 and 20 and 21, and his mama is still doing, his daddy is still doing for him. Now he goes to the next stage. The next stage after ripe is rotten, and many of our young men are absolutely rotten on the tree because they do not know how to do the things that men do. And that's why they still walk around at 25 and 30 years old with their pants sagging on their behind, still walking around trying to get high because he is devoid of that, that basic knowledge of how to be a man, how to function as a man, how to get things done like a man gets things done. That's what's missing. That's what the enemy has robbed us of. And so many of us as fathers have gotten away from being fathers and being in our children's lives that now as 70% of all music is being purchased by white folks, 70% of all black households are being headed by a single black female. And we put all the weight of being a parent on these mothers. 
We got to talk to men like men talk to men. The Bible says steel shopping steel like uh, 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 men, men shopping men like steel shopping steel. And I'm telling you that it's because men are not talking like men. We are meowing. We are, we are talking <laughs> soft to each other. That's why on my show, God willing, this Sunday, we're going to talk, have, have men become too soft. You know, we're going to talk about that this Sunday because we got to get men back into wanting to be men. A woman can't be with a man that's less than a man and be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and in the vein of what you were saying about uh, most of the households are headed by single uh, female women, I um, hear some women say, and this really perturbs me, um, especially when they're raising boys. Well, I'm the mama and the daddy. No, you're not. <laughs> I wait for them to tell me some mess like that. I'm waiting for them to tell me some mess. I they tell me that same old foolishness, and I tell them they ain't nowhere in the world the Creator designed you to be a woman as beautiful as you are, sister, and to be a daddy too. Thank Even you. if you you think you're doing the things that a father do, you're not. I mean, you're doing some of the things, but, you know, there's something that a man gives to a boy that no woman can give to that boy. Absolutely. A man got, in order for that young man to have his manhood brought all the way out of him like God would intend for him to have, he's got to have men to bring that out of him. And he's got to have good, strong men. He can't have men who, again, who are unsure of their manhood. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the homosexual capital of the world. And they out here with the, all these male leadership development programs, and I go into these programs, and they got all these soft brothers working around these little strong young men. I say, man, what the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> They're metrosexual dudes. Absolutely. Minister Scott, did you want to add anything to that? I mean, he has a point, uh, and I don't know if he's noticed in hip hop. And I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm I'm from that hip hop generation, so I definitely embrace hip hop. You know, I've been listening to hip hop since 1980. Uh, positive rappers out there like N.Y. Orange, Siri X, a lot of positive rappers around. Um, but I will say this: that in in many ways, hip hop has begun to move our young men towards homosexuality. All right, come on. And and this is based on the jail culture. Um, you have a lot of brothers who go to jail, and what a lot of people don't like to talk about is that what happens to these brothers in jail, mm-hmm. whether either they're the performer or the performee. Mm-hmm. Right. When these brothers go come out of jail, they're going to have to somehow to keep their sanity, uh, reconcile what they did on the inside when they get outside. So hip-hop has given them an avenue to say, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, Little Wayne is, is one of the, uh, you know, Little Wheezy, Little Wayne is one of the, is the top-selling rappers of, of, over the last year. Uh, you know, it was a video of him kissing his mentor, uh, who's called Baby. Well, he, right. looks a li- he looks a little more feminized to me than when he first came out. That's exactly. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and that wouldn't have flown uh, five or ten years ago. Uh-huh. You know, that would have ruined his career. But mm-hmm. it was just glossed over. You know, they say, okay, that's just the way we show affection. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but five or ten years ago, 
that wouldn't have happened. But now you have all this desensitizing right. of, of, like you said, the effeminate, uh, making the male effeminate. That it just it just flows over like there's nothing wrong with it. Right, and 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 like you were saying, a lot of that does start in jail. Um, actually, on on the headline on one of these websites, some rapper just got arrested. I think it's DMX or something like that, and he's in jail having a fit right now because they want him to wear pink stuff. <laughs> wow. And so that's one of the because colors are significant. Right. And you know, pink is a is, that's a feminine color. Right. And so that's just a, 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 um, a subliminal method that they're starting to use to defeminize these guys, to demasculinize these guys in jail, forcing them to wear pink stuff. Well, did you see a year or two ago in, from the rap community, they started a pink trend throughout the country. Yeah. All of the rappers was wearing pink, pink ah. suits, pink clothes, pink cars, talking about their swagger. I don't know what kind of swagger you got. I grew up in a generation <laughs> that men just didn't wear pink. I mean, if we wore pink, you know, you was always looked at. A guy would have his good eye on you if you went, you went around him wearing some pink. But now it's cool. It's chic. It's fashionable. It's my swag. You know, but you better be careful that your swag don't turn into your fag. Okay. That's a stepping stone, huh? All right. Um, again, in this practical book that you wrote... You talk a lot about um, people abusing their bodies with drugs, alcohol, smoking cigarettes. And I love one of the points that you made, um, and, I, and I, I really think that kids don't think on that level that the effects that the, the combination of those chemicals have, not only on their body, but on their reproduction, reproductive organs, you know, the sperm, for instance, because you so eloquently pointed out in your book that, you know, that stuff accumulates in the sperm. So when they pass that sperm on to another contaminated woman and fertilize that egg, that baby is starting out with a deficit. That's right. Because the, the, the sperm is deficient and the egg of the female is deficient because many of our sisters, they're so silly and they don't even understand their own nature. And that nature is to follow a young man and... And so they following him, but he's leading them down the road to their own undoing. Mm -hmm. And so the the thing about a girl a few years ago in rap music again, they were promoting a down ass chick. They was promoting a a ride or die chick, and that that mentality is is present among our young women. I'm a rider, you know. I'm down for my nigga anything he do. You understand? Mm -hmm. Ja Rule had it, you know. Oh, where would I be without you? You know, all of that <laughs> raspy stuff. And, uh-huh. you know, here's a young girl who is not getting kudos for being smart at school because the game didn't change so much now, whereas when I was coming up, you wanted to be like the smart kids. You wanted to be like them. You honored them. You respected them. But now you denigrate the smart kids. You make them feel like they're the worst thing that the school ever had because they're smart, because they got a good brain and they're using their brain on their shoulders. And so they're going to dumb down so they can fit in. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. The law of opposite says the smarter a female is, the more rougher the guy generally is going to be that she's going to be attracted to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's so true because when I was working with some of the, the, the young ladies here with this particular program that I was trying to collaborate with, that's what they said. They prefer, and these were smart, intelligent, right. straight A students, but they preferred to be with the gang bangers. That's right. You know, they love sitting around with the gangs, the guys that were smoking the drugs, you know, but I'm not going to smoke drugs, you know, because I know that's not good for me, so I'm not going to do the drugs. But I'm like, but you hang around with this guy, you're in that environment. At some point, you know, in a moment of weakness, you're going to be around that guy, and he's going to pass you that joint, and you're going to take a puff. That's right. And hello, that's I think of what? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote an article about a month ago called From Goddess to Gangsters. And in the article, I traced the whole origins of the whole ride or die uh, chick mentality that our brother Marcus talked about. Uh, I actually traced it back to Millie Jackson. Mm. As far as hip-hop and, and back before that, Mustang Sally and all that other stuff, before uh, yeah, hip-hop, hip-hop speaking, uh traced it back to about 19... Eight, about 1990, when you had a group called Holes with Attitude, and uh, come on, uh, be, uh, it was Holes with Attitude and Bitches with Problems, and uh, they were the female answer to NWA, and uh, you know just went through the years. Uh, that whole mentality of Ice Cube and Yo Yo actually came up with the whole Bonnie and Clyde thing. All right, come on now. Around 1990, yeah, it was 1994, and now um, you have uh, Beyonce. Uh, who, whose alter ego is called Sasha Fierce. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new song she's playing is called Diva. They're playing on the radio. It's called Diva. And she says a diva is a new version of a hustler. Mm. So I point that out in the article, uh, you know, from Goddess to Gangster. Mm-hmm. And even before that, brother, you know, we can look even in the, the they had a group with Diana Ross and the Supreme. Right. I mean, and and we, I mean, look how much of a fall that is to fall from being a, a supreme, meaning, meaning you're the highest of all of the groups that sing. You're the highest. You sing the best of all of them. And we've fallen from the queen or this high supreme. We've fallen to that, from that to bitches with attitudes. Now sisters compete in the rap songs on who is the baddest bitch of all the bitches. Mm. And we yeah, have um, someone else that joined just on the conversation. Is this Cormac Station with the other 919 caller? Hi, this is Sharon from Durham, North Carolina. Sharon, hi. Sorry, I'm coming in a little late. But That's okay. We have, okay. About five, we have about five minutes left to the show. I'm, I'm so glad you called in anyway. You can definitely give us some input because what we're talking about right now is, the, is, a, is leading us to character development is okay. what it is. You know, okay. essentially, because these kids, their self-esteem is low, their self-image is low, and so they're looking at these um, uh, um, entertainment icons. Right to dictate to them, you know, how they should behave and the attitudes that they should adopt about themselves. And that's right. what you work with in the community. You work with these young ladies to help them build up and de- develop positive self-esteem and self-images about themselves. That is correct. That is correct. And what I'm finding, and I'm not sure who all is on the phone, but what I am finding is that um, 
believe it or not, I actually just got this meeting with a grandmother this evening, and she was concerned because her daughter didn't want to do this promotion on tomorrow because she was going to the movies. And the grandmother had asked the, the teenager, well, why, you know, why can't you do it? And she was like, well, I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know. And then the grandmother comes over to me, and she says, Sharon, you know, I've done all I can do with her. You know, she's back with her mother now. And, you know, the mother's letting her do what she wants to do, blah, blah, blah. So it makes it hard for her to come in and try to discipline. So true enough, the media plays a big part, but I believe, you know, the parent plays an even bigger part, you know, what's going on at home. And these girls, they're, they're seeing, you know, mom bringing in, you know, you know, this man, that man, and they're thinking that it's okay. You know, that's the way you, you get the attention, you attract attention. You know, they're wearing these clothes that are very provocative, very suggesting. And as a result, they're, they're allowing themselves to kind of fall into a trap, mm-hmm. pretty much. And um, I just had a girl the other day just outwardly say, well, you know, I have, I have herpes. And all the, everybody kind of looked at her like, oh, okay, you know, and she's only 17 years old. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, and, again, I'm sorry, I'm just coming in on the conversation, so I'm not sure where you were at with it, but it's, it's an unfortunate thing. It really is. And I believe that um, you have a lot of people that are theorizing and, and suggesting what should be done, but ultimately it really boils down to the self-esteem and how they look at themselves, their self-image. Absolutely. And you, and you touched on that again, Brother Marcus, in your book when you were talking about the lack of character development and essentially what I got out of that is you're saying because these kids have low self-esteem and, 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 and low self-image, that's what they project out there in the community because, exactly. they, they, you know, they have to face their issues and they don't know how to. And right. because of that lack of confidence in themselves, their abilities, and their skills, they put up that facade. Right. And they project that anger or that tough guy image. That tough, right, yeah. exactly. So, and so unfortunately, it's... That, mm-hmm, a little bit more on that, Brother Marcus? Well, I think that a lot of our young uh, brothers, uh, they're they're projecting a a pseudo-image of what manhood is really all about. And it's it's really an underrepresentation of who they really are. Because deep down inside, as you get to know a lot of these young people, they're really nice people. They are. They're good kids. When When you get them away from their crew, Right. And they'll, and they'll start sharing stuff, and they'll even have tender moments with you. Exactly. As soon as they walk over there to them, their fellas and them girls, they go <laughs> back to that 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 tough guy image. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I can't love nobody. I don't feel nothing. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Nothing pains me. Nothing bothers me. It's mm-hmm. real nonchalant. Uh, uh swag. That, right. Everything is about your. Bravado, your your persona, your swag—it's mm-hmm. all attitude, and it's mm-hmm. all representative, representative of the music and the culture that says that you can't be human. You know, you can look human, but you can't be human. You're right. Not allowed to feel nothing. You're not allowed to feel each other's pain. You, you know, I always when I'm talking to young girls, I always tell them about where's the sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Where, where's the sense of caring for another young lady? I remember a time when if a girl was hurt by her boyfriend, girls, would they might even cry with each other. Right. That <laughs> he caused her. He said you were ugly and the girls would be boo-hooing and whatnot. Now, it, look, the girls is trying to get the girl boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> or get the... <laughs> it's cutthroat out here nowadays. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> and where there are no decent women, 
There are no decent men. Exactly. If our young girls are being turned inside out, then mm-hmm. what hope do we really have for the future? Exactly. And I'm going I'm I'm to pose this uh, comment to you, um, Sharon, and I see mm-hmm. it in the chat room. Somebody is saying they agree with what you were saying, but mm-hmm. sometimes these girls have true mothers, yet they still follow the wrong path. Do you see that to be true with the women that the girls that, that you is with? That is true because the peer pressure is, has intensified. You know, like uh, Brother Marcus just said, I believe that was Brother Marcus that just made that comment. Yes, you know, it's, it's no longer, it's not cool to be smart. You know, it's not cool to, you know, go to school or go and get your education or go to, you know, your all four class periods and sit in and pay attention to what the teacher says. So a lot of, you know, these girls, these young people, boys as well, of course, they're dealing with a lot of peer pressure, a lot of pressure from, you know, society, pressure from their peers. You know, they want to fit in. You know, they want to, you know, what what's going to make me get the attention from the cool crew or cool groups in, in their eyes? You know, what what's cool to them? So I guess, you know, with me, I guess I try to offer something that's more contemporary, you know, by trying to offer the, the fashion piece per se. But I and I, I agree with the mom what she just said. True enough, the parent may do all that they can do, but it's important to you know for young girls that you do you know little girly things with them. You know, not just it's it's not enough to just you know be home you know for her when she comes home from school. You know, what type of outings are you doing with her? You know, are Quality you time. taking her right? Are you taking her shopping? Are you you know taking her taking the time to maybe let her try on different outfits, or you're just buying what she says I want. You know, I have one girl who tells her mother that I don't want this, you know, this this isn't good enough. And the mother, you know, just basically is like, okay, I'll take it back and then buy something else for her, for her to come home and say, well, I don't want that either, you know. So it's not it's not enough. Money is not enough, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. And, and that leads me into this, and this will be the last question because we are okay. actually just about out of time. Okay. So do you think parents try too hard, and, and I want everybody to answer this, and then when you finish, just give a little bit about yourself, your program, what you're doing, and how people can contact you. Um, right. But do you think parents are trying too hard to be the kid's friend as opposed to parenting the child? And, Brother Marcus, I'll, I'll let you lead, lead in with that. Well, you know, as a person that has six beautiful children with my wife, I ain't none of their friend. You know, I'm not trying to be their friend. I'm trying to be their father. That's the office that I'm running for. I'm running for the office of of the father of the house. You know, and and I I tell you that that is one of the major mistakes that we make as parents is the children don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their father. They need you to be their mother. You know, and now, of course, that doesn't negate the fact that we're going to have times where we're going to laugh and we're going to enjoy each other. But I don't want to get so close with them that they will forget that I am the father because children will forget quick on you when, you you know, the, the line get blurred so much with you trying to be their friend that they'll be telling you what to do. And they'll right. be directing your path and telling you how things is going to be. I've right. seen that same thing that you just mentioned about a child telling a parent that they ain't going to wear this or mm-hmm. they ain't going to wear that. Oh, no. Oh, yes, you will wear that <laughs> because I grew up in a house where a father and a mother didn't play. Right. I mean, look, I, a lot of us condemn the way our parents did us, but there was a whole lot of good in what our parents definitely, did absolutely. for us. Definitely. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I, I would have to agree with, with Brother Marcus. Yes, there is a lot of parents that are trying to be, you know, that friend because they don't want, you know, the child, you know, has threatened to, you know, leave or, you know, the, I have one parent who, she's a doctor, okay, who her, her, her child cusses her out 
on the regular, you know, tells her what she, oh, yeah, she's a doctor. And, you know, the mother's crying and breaking down in these treatment meetings. So, and then, you know, so it got, it has gotten to a point where she no longer disciplines. So now she, she backs off, you know, and she's like, okay, well, what time are you going to be home? type of thing. So, yes, I do believe that there are a lot of parents that have dropped that hat of parenting. There's no more discipline taking place. And I, I just think as a result, you're sending mixed signals. One minute you want to discipline me, next minute you want to, you know, go out and have a drink with me or allow me to smoke a cigarette with you or whatever the case may be. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Together, choke together. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think that, you know, like the rest of the panel was saying, you know, in 2009, adults really stop, need to start being adults and stop being fans and groupies. Uh, right. You know, a lot, of, a lot of adults act more like groupies than, than adults. Right. Okay. Um, Minister Scott, do you want to give us a little bit about your organization and how people can contact you? Yeah, my website is nowarningshotsfired.com. Uh, you have a community organization. I'm available. Just give me a call. Uh, com is the website where I post my articles. Well, that's the best way to get in contact with me, info at com. Okay, thank you for that, sir. Um, Ms. DeCosta? Uh, Building a Better You. It's a personal development life skills fashion program for teenage girls, preteen and teenage girls out of Durham, North Carolina. I'm located in Northgate Mall. The website is www.buildingabetteryou.com. U Y O U the number two dot com. The acronym is Baby. It is my baby. I take serious what I do. I have a passion for what I do. Please check out the website. Thank you so much. And thank you. Well, sister, thank you very much for the opportunity to be on your wonderful show. I am so honored <laughs> that you accepted. <laughs> well, it is my pleasure to be here. Um, my website is www.marcusgerard.com. Uh, that's www.marcusgerard.com. My direct cell phone number uh, for anyone who desires to do work with us is 404-542-3808. That's 404-542-3808. We would be honored to come and work with your young people as well as the adults in your population. Thank okay. you again all to everyone. on. Thank the- you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. you. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. In closing the show today, I would like to wrap up this segment with this message. Um, I admonish you all to go out and purchase a copy of Brother Marcus's book. It's a valuable resource, like I said, to have in your library, especially if you work in any capacity at all with young people. Um, His book is available online at Amazon.com. And again, the title of the book is What the Elder what the elders have sent me to tell you. Um, I have a link on my website. Brother Marcus didn't get a chance to mention his show, but he is a host here on Blog Talk Radio. Please do, if you have a chance, check out his show as well. Thank you so much. I am your host, Shirley. Thank you for listening to Far Rock Live.